and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back to preview game week 16, a game week that looks to be hit with plenty of news, plenty of drama and unfortunately plenty of coronavirus cases. Uh, my name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined by a man that loves a party with cheese and wine but follows all of the rules all of the time. It's Andy Case. Andy, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we don't always like to go off on political tangents, especially I know that you'll end up on, on, on your high horse looking down at everyone. Um, but uh, it's been a, uh, quite quite a week in, the, in in British politics, and I guess um, all of this has a has a bit of a backdrop, you know, a tenuous link to FPL Lounge, I guess. But um, it's all, all got a, a coronavirus kind of kind of link. Um, you know, government resignations aside, um, what do you make of, of all this? Go I mean, hosting, hosting some Christmas parties this year. I mean, you've you know the, the listeners may or may not have realised by this point that that that, that you know, for the sake of, you know, drama in this opening section, you you come up with the little opening yourself so that you can get my like live reaction on the show. And you've really like given me a hospital pass here, haven't you? Like, well, never, well, a hospital pass and an insult thrown in there as well about me being on my high horse, which, I mean, the irony of that, I think it'd be interesting if the listeners found out who you voted for in the 2015 general election. But um, yeah, I mean, I yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure I want to continue this section. You've insulted me. Just leave that. Let's leave a little bit of silence just where Andy's uh, response would, would, would normally go. All right, well, in that case then, well, I mean, to be fair, as we've got so much uh, so much to get through, we might as well start by uh, start by running down the show. So as always on our game week, uh, on, our, on our game week previews, we'll start by running down the, the FPL fixtures and we'll have a quick chat about this week's talking points, of which there are many. And I guess we may spend a little bit longer, Andy, on this segment than we do ordinarily. Uh, we've got some new players on the radar and he's finally, finally um, identified some Man United players to get on board with. So so that's something to look forward to. And after the break, we'll be uh, having a look. We'll be swimming against the tide uh, in a slightly different way than we would ordinarily before we finish off with captaincy and who the heck is that. So let's start by running down those all important FPL fixtures for game week 16. Your deadline is an early one this week. It's 6.30 on Friday, the 10th of December. That's because Friday night football is in southwest London, Brentford versus Watford. And on Saturday, we have a lunchtime kickoff. Man City host Wolves. And then three, three o'clocks, Arsenal versus Southampton, Chelsea versus Leeds and Liverpool versus Aston Villa. On Saturday evening, Manchester United travel to Norwich. And then on Sunday, four further fixtures, Brighton versus Spurs, potentially or potentially not. We'll get into that. Burnley versus West Ham, Leicester versus Newcastle and Crystal Palace versus Everton. So as we alluded to, Andy, at the top of the show, COVID is having an impact in the 2021-22 season. Um, Similarly, I guess, to how it had an impact in the the 2021 season. so far, we've got at least one team, possibly two, that have had um, COVID outbreaks. And the one at Tottenham, I guess, is probably the one to kind of focus on at the moment. Um, yeah, Antonio Conte had a relatively uh, emotional, I guess, press conference ahead of ahead of their Ren uh, Europa Conference League game, um, saying that they've got at least eight positive cases among players, a further five among staff. So it does seem like a pretty pretty big kind of outbreak um, at, at, at Tottenham. Um, obviously, what this means for FPL, I guess we can go into, but just worth kind of updating the, the listener at the minute. You know, the, their Europa Conference League game against Wren has now been postponed. This feels like a pretty unprecedented move uh, for UEFA competitions. Um, so that I guess that maybe indicates you know how bad the situation 
um, is, and then obviously Tottenham in terms of in terms of their Premier League fixtures coming up, and um, because of the sort of packed December or mid-December schedule, um, they've got Brighton obviously uh, as Andy just said on Sunday. Then they face Leicester in game week 17 on Thursday, and then they place face Liverpool in game week 18 on Sunday the 19th. So that's basically um, three Premier League games in a week. Plenty to uh, plenty to try and unpack there, Andy. I mean. It's hard to maybe we shouldn't jump to this straight away, but maybe I mean, maybe there's nowhere else to go. If you own Tottenham players, and you know we've been pretty keen on their run over the last um, over the last couple of game weeks, I think their run is getting a little bit more more tricky now anyway. Um, but therefore, there's going to be plenty of managers that own Tottenham assets. Obviously, Son came being being um, being popular, but obviously Sergio Reguilón as well. What do you do if you own these players? And then similarly, what do you do if you own um, as many will do, Brighton players who they play in game week 16, Leicester players potentially who they own, who they play in game week 17, and then possibly Liverpool players in game week 18 as well. Yeah, well, I mean, it's going to depend case by case on what like your team looks like and what potential chips you've got. But ultimately, I think, I think however you manage it at this point, you have to be looking to get Spurs players out. We've had nothing confirmed. Um, of course, in terms of Premier League games being postponed yet. But at this stage, as we're recording on Thursday morning, it does seem very, very likely that, um, you know, at least the Brighton game will be postponed and very possibly given, yeah, like you say, there's another midweek round of fixtures and next weekend, at least possibly one more, maybe even maybe even two. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you, when it comes to Spurs players, particularly, you have to be thinking in some way, um, shifting them out at the moment on the on the other teams obviously other outbreaks aside which which could be possible um it, it would only be sort of one fixture that, that they'd miss and if it means lots of hits in your team and that type of thing then then there might be on you know with individual players an argument for kind of if you can keep in them resting them benching them whatever um yeah in an ideal world, obviously, you, you know, you know, you wouldn't have any players that, that aren't going to play in your, in your squad. But sometimes, I guess, you can't avoid these things. I doubt there's many people with their first wild card left. If you've managed to hold on to that, congratulations to you. It's um, it's a great time now to have it, and you could you could probably use it to your advantage a little bit. But um, and and, and I suppose actually a shout out, a warning to anyone out there who does still have it. You do have to use that by uh, game week 19. Uh, otherwise you will lose it so you might as well um, well not lose it but you know you won't gain an extra one anyway um, so you you might as well I think now would be seem like a very good time ahead of this these next three three game weeks coming up in the next sort of week or so seems like the perfect opportunity to try and yeah capitalize I guess on on this unfortunate situation yeah I guess worth talking a little bit about about the precedent that was set last year I mean obviously as as you say Andy um you know the with the Ren game postponed but there's been no official confirmation that the the Tottenham's game against uh, against Brighton in game week 16 is off I guess what maybe needs to be thought about and we might come onto this a little bit later but obviously the, the, we do have an early deadline this week it's um, because of Friday night football um so it's unlikely I would guess that the Tottenham Brighton game is going to be officially called off before the deadline so I guess we are kind of um yeah, pissing into the wind a little bit here, but you know, there's, there's, there's I guess there's, there's not a lot we can do. But what we do know from last year is that teams were successful when they had like large COVID outbreaks at their clubs, being able to get 
postponements um, because because of coronavirus. And, and obviously, you know, I'm not saying that Antonio Conte would have been tugging on the heartstrings and therefore he's more likely to get a postponement. But obviously he is quite clearly or has been clearly distressed by the situation at Tottenham, describing it as, as, as scary. And I guess that, um, you know, this ultimately just kind of feeds into the fact that, you know, we have a new variant. It seems to be more transmissible and these things are, are going to be quite likely to happen. Um, there also does seem to be, and again, you know, Andy and I have, have alluded to this a little bit before um, when comparing FPL to playing NFL fantasy, which I don't think is something that Andy necessarily does, but, you know, we both follow American football um, relatively closely. You know, the, the, the coronavirus protocols in that league are, are, seem to be far better than pr- the Premier League. Um, that there are different rules for players that are vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. And, you know, there's nothing like that. You know, Brendan Rodgers, we might as well, I guess, allude to this as well, Andy. You know, Leicester have some cases, or Brendan Rodgers has said, Leicester have got some cases that are, haven't travelled to Italy for their Europa League game uh, this week. We have no idea who they were. And if it was American football, we'd know exactly who they were. Um, you know, in, in NFL fantasy, you get extra reserve spots for players that have got COVID. So, yeah, you know, FPL or the Premier League perhaps haven't quite caught on to this. And I'm sure it's down to, you know, NFL having franchises and the Premier League not and all, and all of that stuff. But from a sort of FPL manager point of view, we really don't have much of an idea about anything. Um, and uh, compared to other uh, other kind of franchise-based leagues around the world, that feels, um, you feel a, quite a severe disadvantage, I guess. Yeah, I think there's a lot. This is obviously one and it's maybe obviously unique within recent times because of COVID particularly. But I think there's lots of areas we've we've discussed in the past where FPL could be a little less rigid with sticking to how they've run things just because that's how they've always been run. I mean, what's more British than that, I suppose, right? Sticking with like antiquated rules and uh, structures just because that's how it's always been. But, uh, that, you know, that, that isn't to say that they should they should act like other British institutions, the Premier League, they, you know, they, and, and then FPL by extension. They um, they could and should probably yeah look to a better because it's a bet ultimately, you know, it, as much as it's a competition and we're all in this because we, you know, we're enjoying it. I don't think any of us realistically probably think we're going to win the outright prize every year. So it's it's a game that's that's there for people's enjoyment more so than a competition as such. Um, and therefore, because, you know, a lot of the things they have done in the past um, have been related to the the player experience, haven't they, when they have made like updates or changes. And I think that, that maybe they could do yeah do some things here like the, the situation you're describing there with NFL fantasy does seem much more like yeah user user friendly um I, I suppose there are a few things despite what FPL have or haven't changed that you that you can try and do to mitigate some of that isn't there um we, we spoke earlier in the season about how not having forward options for example meant that there was a little bit more money around and that resulted in a lot I mean for me in particular there's been a couple of game weeks where um there's rotation and whatnot has meant I've I've had a couple of bench players coming in and it's been extremely useful that was almost kind of by chance uh, but now it seems like you you've got to be thinking more consciously a deliberate tactic about having a having starting players on the bench in in years gone by it's very common to see one maybe even two absolute minimum priced players in any one position on people's benches because they're trying to maximize the funds in their team maybe we're a little bit fortunate in that there's a a fair number of kind of cheaper alternatives at least in midfield this season which might allow you to spread the money around a little bit more and therefore yeah look look towards a, a starting bench because 
I think there could be multiple occasions over these next few weeks where there's more than one fixture that could well end up getting called off and you're going to need, possibly need players spread across across different teams. Um, we, we've mentioned obviously various at various points throughout this whole COVID pandemic and it's only recently ironically Chris where you potentially said you, you we can stop thinking about this now but it seems very much so we have to be going back to if you weren't already the whole having your captain and vice captain in different games thing as well that's that's the only other thing it seems really to me that it seems sensible that you can do to mitigate you know despite these FPL rules making sure so so not just I mean we'd always say we probably would have always said make sure your captain and vice captain are from different teams if you can but be a little bit more aware of not just the teams the fixtures as well and making sure that not only are your captain and vice captain in different teams but in outright different fixtures that game week yeah I think that feels especially important and I think we you know we were getting to the point where a starting bench felt pretty essential anyway because of you know, likely rotation over the festive period but, but yeah, yeah if games are going to get called off left right and center then that then, then yeah I think uh, I think I, I think that's that's gonna it's gonna it's sort of dictate transfer policy I think for FPL managers over over the coming weeks and uh, yeah we'll get into this a little bit maybe in a future game week Andy but I think we probably need to start thinking about things like African Cup and Nations as well especially for you know the 70% of managers that own Mo Salah um, but I'm sure there might be a few other a few other issues for FPL managers too so yeah transfer policy or transfer planning I think at this stage of the season um is something that, that I think we'd encourage our listeners to start thinking about, and uh, I guess there are some resources out there, Andy, to to make that make that um, make that a little bit easier. But yeah, I I try and do all mine in my head, I think, and uh, sometimes that doesn't always always work out for the best. Um, we best move on to the to the radar, Andy. Although it was obviously very important to have that slightly lengthier discussion. Um, we're keeping a few players on 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 the radar, Andy, from uh, from 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 previous weeks. Um, our budget Watford forwards in Emmanuel Dennis and Josh King, two of them, and then Ashley Young kind of remain remains on the periphery of our radar. Um, do you want to explain why I feel like Dennis and King are rarely self-explanatory, but Ashley Young has probably a slightly more interesting wrinkle with regards to his fixtures coming up. Yeah, well, on like you say, on Dennis and King, it's it self-explanatory if you listened, I guess, to our preview last week in that we were saying, OK, they had City last game week. But after that, they have a fantastic run coming up. And now that fantastic run starts, right? So it's Brentford, Burnley, Crystal Palace and Wolves. And beyond the fact they've got a great run over the next four game weeks, um, King had been, you know, top in the last six game weeks of, of XG and he's still uh, relatively high up. Um, even now, despite the City game having happened. Um, Dennis, not quite as high in the underlying numbers, in the sort of roughly top 10 for forwards, um, but but obviously getting some superb returns and re- really like looking lively, cutting in from the right for Watford. So, I mean, like the Silver Gundogan thing, you, you know, we're, we're almost saying both and not really nailing our colours to the mast. I think if I'm picking one this week, I'm just the naturally type of player and person I am. I probably end up going King, which... You know, one because he's lower owned, so you get a little bit of a differential there. But two, just the underlying numbers, like, yeah, Dennis is getting more returns, but it, sh- it you know, it should be King from what we're seeing. So I'd probably lean, lean towards King personally. Um, and there's a, you know, the relatively strong chance he might well be on penalties as well, King, which we're not 100% sure after their sort of debacle against against United with their penalties, Watford. But it's it's certainly possible at least. So, yeah, that's that's them. And then on Young. 
so we were saying that Villa's run, other than they had a funny run of fixtures really up to this New Year period, Villa. They had one or two difficult ones, but then the rest in between were like quite straightforward and 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 sort of on the easier end of the of the fixture difficulty rating. So when you average it out, they move down the list a little bit. But if you take those fixtures kind of in isolation, <clears throat> then uh, yeah, there's there's quite a decent run for them um, in most game weeks. Particularly if you take out, obviously, obviously they've got Liverpool away in this game. Which I don't think we're saying bringing Ashley Young, a Liverpool, a Villa defender, going away to Liverpool in this game week. But he's staying on the periphery because once that fixture's out the way, they have Norwich, Burnley, Chelsea, Leeds, Brentford in the next five. So obviously that Chelsea one is a big sort of stinky looking one in the middle. But beyond that, that you know, if you could find, if you had a Villa player and you managed to say bench them in that one game week four out of five really attractive looking fixtures he might be playing out of position even if he's not he's the cheapest villa defender and so if they get clean sheets on that good run he's your cheapest way into it and um yeah uh so more of a periphery one but that's why he's on our radar at the moment yeah i know i said a couple of game weeks ago when we first started mentioning him that you know pinched me it's 2008 but yeah you know with that run coming up um, you know, Villa defensively under Steven Gerrard, at least in the eye test, I'm not sure about the numbers, but at least in the eye test, look considerably more resolute than, uh, than, than than they did under Dean Smith. Although, ironically, Norwich's defences improved significantly under Dean Smith. So, yeah, go figure. Um, but, but yeah, you know, if, if, if they're going to get some clean sheets, would you expect them to get some against you know, Nor- Norwich, Burnley, Leeds and Brentford? Um, then, yeah, Ashley Young's the cheapest way into that. And, and as you say, sometimes he plays out of position as well, um, gets forwards, you know, attacks, you know, is a relatively good crosser. Um, and when you're feeding someone like Ollie Watkins, uh, then, yeah, there's potential for some attacking returns too. So, so yeah, I think uh, it's right that he stays on the periphery for now, but he could kind of end up really in our thinking uh, after game week 16. Um, without turning the radar, Andy, into, into an Andy Case monologue, I feel like I kind of have to hand these ones over to you anyway, because also, I guess, kind of keeping uh, Man United in general on the radar, um, not really knowing who who to kind of you know select which of their assets to kind of go for i guess we've kind of got one that's a bit of a surprise but has fallen into um it's into our laps a little bit i know he's getting a little bit of buzz um on fpl twitter and then i guess the other one feels possibly the most obvious man united uh selection that we could possibly ever make um maybe let's start with the obvious one andy and uh so so yeah what what are you what are your reasons go through your thinking for selecting Cristiano Ronaldo on our radar this week? Well, I don't know if you know this, Chris, but um, Cristiano Ronaldo is quite a good footballer. Um, And so, yeah, he's scored a fair few goals in his career and that makes him a potentially attractive option um, in in, in FPL generally. Obviously, you know, sarcasm aside, he hasn't been on the radar and being picked in a lot of teams much throughout this season he had quite a surge in ownership when he first came in didn't he that that, that sort of almost fortunately aligned with a few returns for him been a little bit quieter uh despite i think something like 10 11 goals uh throughout across all competitions so you know not not a bad record considering the number of games he's played but but yeah people have been sort of steering away from united players myself included um, but the reason he's coming back more into the thinking, we, obviously, we've been flagging up the last few weeks that United have this great run coming up. It is still early in the Rangnick reign, so we can't be 100% sure exactly what his first 11 is or that United will continue to play kind of well-ish like they did against Palace. But with particularly with Spurs players like needing to be moved out in the in their droves and 
yeah, with with Norwich coming up in this game week, I mean, there's a lot. So there's been a lot of transfers out for Kane, for example. Um, people trying to capitalise on that run, as you mentioned, that Spurs have had up to this point over the last few game weeks. But and it just seems a very obvious move, Kane to Ronaldo. Um, in, in this game week, he like say has been scoring goals in 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 other competitions. Um, he uh, he's top actually in the underlying numbers. He is top for expected goal involvement amongst forwards for the last four game weeks, which was which was interesting. And he's coming up this week against a Norwich defence who have, in fairness, seen a bit of improvement under Dean Smith. That they're, they're not as um, high up in the expected goals conceded as, as they were earlier in the season. They've fallen back more so into kind of like mid-table. Um, so maybe that that's a concern. And, and United st- didn't exactly create loads of XG against um, against Palace, despite playing sort of relatively well. So that's perhaps a concern. However, Ronaldo was rested in midweek, looks, so looks pretty nailed on to start. And I think when you've got someone as elite as CR7 starting against a team like Norwich, then... Uh, you know, with 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 premium players disappearing as options left, right, and centre, um, um, he seems like you've got to be in the forefront of your thinking. Yeah, and obviously it's that it, you know it's not just the Norwich game, but obviously it's that run for United coming up that makes makes their assets um, so so appealing. And, and yeah, you know, we were speaking before the pod about how I think you're trying to work work a way to get Ronaldo into your team for this week. And yeah, I have to say uh, he was wasn't in my thinking, but I feel incredibly, incredibly jealous of that. So maybe I'll have to see if I can, I can, uh, I can, I can work him in somehow because yeah, it just feels like such a gimme fixture. And obviously we have a good run coming up. I mean, I guess long-term Andy, can you see him getting rotated a little bit? I'm sure it's probably going to happen. Um, but is it going to happen to Ronaldo because of his age and because of any manager any more than just, let's say Jamie Vardy? Well, I mean, Jamie Vardy has a similar, has a similar issue. I mean, he got rotated, last game week in FPL didn't he because of his his sort of age and his legs and the fact I mean Rogers outright said he was unsure Vardy could play two games in a, in a week at, at this stage in his career so no arguably not than Vardy specifically but also just with the festive fixtures coming up there's there's plenty of other players who might well get get rotated as well who are much younger than than Ronaldo so that I, I mean but then having said that they don't all cost 12.4 million and I guess that's that's the risk with someone like him his biggest threats like I suppose if to compare him to his biggest threats in the for a starting place Cavani is now back in training and I would expect to probably see if Cavani gets back to match fitness starts for Cavani over Ronaldo in certain game weeks but just simply because obviously Cavani is a great option and you know you, you can't play Ronaldo every single every single fixture in a row it's just it's just not possible um even even for a great player like, like him so th- that that is likely to happen at some point um Greenwood started in the Champions League up top and I thought that was interesting because there might be more opportunities for Greenwood through the middle in this 4-2-2-2 um, and it, it seems like Ranick was happy with him playing there. He scored a good goal. He, he had a, a relative amount of praise from the manager um, in the post-match but he did also kind of say we need to bulk him up a bit. He needs to work on his physicality before he can kind of become a regular. So it would seem, and you know, given the fact that Ronaldo was rested completely, it would seem to suggest that, you know, certainly at least this game week and then possibly, you know, going forward, Ronaldo is his first choice in, in Rangnick's thinking at the moment. So always a risk over this festive period of rotation for any given player. But 
I just think the attractiveness of that of that Norwich fixture coming up this game week in, in particular, but also the whole the whole run really for United. I mean, just to be we keep talking about the run, but just to be clear, between now and New Year's Day, it's Norwich, Brentford, Brighton, Newcastle, Burnley, Wolves for Man United. So yeah, re- really sort of decent fixtures potentially. Yeah, I do feel strongly that even if he was rested for two of those, um, which I guess is realistic. Um, and, you know, even if he's rested, he's, there's no reason why he couldn't come off the bench. And if United aren't playing very well, completely save them like he has done you know, millions of times before, um, even this it, even this year, let alone when he was first at the club. Um, yeah, if he's rested for two of those, but he gets double digit hauls, which quite, is quite feasible in a couple of the ones he, just, he starts. I mean, it's still well worth it over the course of the six games. And I think that that's that's the thing that, 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 that is worth thinking about. You know, ultimately, the fixture run um, almost makes him kind of you know, if, if he does do what we think he's going to do and and, and get plenty of atta- attacking returns in, in in that period um that which is obviously you know a bit of a risk but but yeah it feels safer than anyone with with cr7 then then yeah i think it, it looks like a pretty good move um the other one i alluded to Andy, was once kind of falling into our laps a little bit and i guess that's slightly because of our own sackers maybe injury but diego dallo um did uh you know, did start Rangnick's first um, first Premier League game. Um Saka was, I think, was recovering from an injury uh, ahead of that, but then obviously started in the Champions League and got a bit of a knock in that game too. Um, but there is kind of a, a sense, I guess, that Rangnick maybe prefers Dallow anyway, partly because of the system. Um, and at 4.4 million with that fixture run, so plenty of clean, clean sheet potential for United, um, is a pretty easy way into United's defence, isn't it? Well, it's it's the cheapest way in, yeah. And um, Bailly and Matic started in central defence, so arguably Lindelof and Maguire are kind of the most nailed on. Although again, there's rumours of Varane being back in in fitness, um, so so maybe even Lindelof's place is 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 in danger. But so so arguably they are slightly more nailed on than 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 Dallo. So uh, yeah, in terms of trying to measure, you know, you said the easiest way in. Maybe Maguire's the, the the most nailed possibly defender, but look, obviously Dallow is much cheaper and he's got much more attacking threat. He, he, you know, in the system that Rangnick plays, that he expects the fullbacks to get far forward. That is Dallow's natural game anyway. He was very attacking against Palace. He even had a shot in the box. He was so far forward. Um, and yeah, beyond that attacking threat, I mean, I'm going against what I said a little bit because, and I, because. I, I mean, I suppose it is true. I do still, I don't trust United for clean sheets yet, not by any stretch. Even in the game against Palace, there was a fantastic opportunity for Jordan Ayew. But with that run coming up, you you know, they did look better defensively simply because they're winning the ball higher up the pitch in that, in that first game. Um, And, you know, if they get a handful of clean sheets, even like two or three out of the kind of six coming up, then, you know, for a 4.4 million defender, if you get two or three clean sheets in, 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 in six game weeks, that's that's not an awful return. So, yeah, add in his potential attacking threat and the fact he looks like, I mean, I, I've put this in our notes. I think that he looks like United's first choice right back at the moment. Even if wan hadn't got a knock at the end of this Champions League game, you know, Dallow had has played well not just in Rangnick's first game, but in Solskjaer and Carrick's sort of last few games as well. When when Wambasaka was injured, Dallow, I mean, his his passing and crossing is just so significantly better than Wambasaka's, and Wambasaka's defending is is undoubtedly better than Dallow's. 
but like particularly in this new formation that that's less important really um and the ability on the ball is much much more important so yeah when, when you throw in the fact that there might well there was a knock for Wambasaka at the end of that champ he played the full 90 so he must have been relatively fit but then to, to get a knock like he careered into the advertising hoardings and he was stretched off um you've got to think that that at least this 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 fixture and, and hopefully more going forward that Dallow is kind of in front in front of him there Absolutely. Um, and then a final player on our radar, Andy, a quick word on on Jared Bowen. I mean, I guess apart from Man United, um, up to New Year's Day, West Ham seem to have the best fixture run. That's Burnley, Arsenal, Norwich, Southampton, Watford, Crystal Palace. Um, and Bowen seems to be seems to be the guy. I mean, I think, you know, looking back at, uh, at the start of the season on our FPL lounge long weekend of West Ham's kind of trifecta of attacking midfielders. And you can kind of bring Manuel Lanzini into that now as well. Um Bowen was the was the more expensive, so the one that we kind of avoided. And I think the FPL lounge kind of cognoscenti went for went for Ben Rama, who obviously paid off at the start of the season. Uh, but Bowen ever since then has really been the one that's kind of come to the fore um, and is currently, I think, top for expected goal involvement among midfielders apart from the big the big Liverpool three um, in recent game weeks. So he feels like a pretty good option. Obviously, you know, in terms of West Ham's fixtures, we swam against getting Antonio out last week. Um, obviously, West Ham had a really good result against Chelsea, albeit slightly fortuitous to get the win. But you know, definitely, definitely good value for a draw. Um, you know, they're not going to be balancing the Europa League um, going forward. I think they obviously they're already through, so I don't, you know, they're likely to be resting players, uh, resting players tonight. Um, uh, uh, there's, there isn't anything that kind of makes me. That puts me off Jared Bowen and obviously, you know, Chris loves EFL. Um, always got a bit of a soft spot for him anyway. Yeah, I think I, I wonder, he's possibly not, despite his EFL, you know, background, he wasn't, I wouldn't quite put him in your stable. You did seem to talk about Ben Rama more when he first came from the EFL than Bowen, but you were, you did, you did talk him up when he first came in the league, but, but Bowen, so maybe he's in your stable, but yeah, that aside, he, he does seem like a good option. I think there is a, still a little bit of that, um returns getting shared around behind Antonio in midfield we've seen a couple from Rice in recent weeks Lanzini chipping in Ben Rama for Nows and Bowen but there's been a bit more rotation for some of them in terms of their starting place in the team other than Bowen like Bowen hasn't had that he seems more of a nailed on starter on the eye he looks like fantastic uh really um contributing a lot to West Ham's attacks looks the most kind of clinical and reliable, I guess, and consistent. Um, the underlying numbers would suggest he's had, he's had better opportunities than those others in recent game weeks as well. So I would still be possibly, I don't think it's guaranteed that the others won't chip in and possibly take some of those returns that Bowen might have got. But ultimately, for, for his price, particularly 6.5 million, he's, he's sort of sneaky going under the radar a little bit in terms of like how good a season in, in FPL he's having for his price. Um, so with that fixture run coming up and him being kind of one of the more nailed on starters for West Ham, yeah, it, it, it just looks like a, a great option. And again, like, like like other teams, I'll just quickly mention what that what that run is for West Ham. So it's Burnley this game week, then Arsenal, then Norwich, Southampton, Watford, Crystal Palace up to New Year's Day. So yeah, I mean, with them attacking midfield options, I suppose even Bowen might well be at risk of rotation, as we said with Ronaldo over, over over festive fixtures. But he's likely to get the most minutes, you'd think, and seems the 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 safest to to return. So yeah, strongly looking at, at him, making me think now. You know, I, I I want to find a way of getting him in my team. 
Yeah, I mean, 4.7% ownership as well. So he's he's a differential. I mean, he is like the eighth highest scoring midfielder in the game this year. And all, all the ones above him, apart from Sajay Mane, for obvious reasons for him you know, being kind of compared alongside Salah, um, they're all owned way more than Jared Bowen. So, yeah, he really does have that have that differential appeal. And, uh, and yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, a swap from... Rafinha to Bowen could be could be a fairly pretty sort of straightforward one, and I think yeah, considering the fixtures of the, of those respective teams, um, West Ham have considerably more upside. So, so yeah, but as kind of we alluded to at the start of the show, whether you want to be wasting transfers at this stage of the season on uh, on players that are going to be you know that are nailed on starters for their sides, uh, kind of remains to be seen. We better leave it there, Andy. Have a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be taking another another cold, festive dip into the sea as we swim against the tide. Welcome to the FPL Lounge. Our preview show will always be out in advance of the game week deadline, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods. That way, you'll definitely have it in time to make some tweaks to your team. If you can rate or review us too, that would be great, as we're really keen to know what people think. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back, Len. So a slightly different swim against the tide this week because uh, these players, or I guess these, yeah, these players, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I think we should kind of include two, two in here, Andy, are neither appearing in the most transferred in nor the most transferred out. But that's the problem, isn't it, Andy? Because ultimately, after everything that we said at the top of the show about the likelihood of Tottenham's games being postponed this week. We're not seeing, um, at the moment at least, and uh, you know, loads and loads of transfers out for their key assets. We are starting to see it for Harry Kane, and but considering his ownership is considerably lower than both Son and Regions, this is a bit of a head scratcher for us. Now, I guess we must caveat this by, you know, all of our long-time listeners will understand that Andy and I are very you know, relatively cautious FPL players. Um, we are always very much like, oh, wait for the press conferences, you know, make your decisions closer to closer to, to the deadline. And at the moment, obviously, the Spurs versus Brighton game isn't officially postponed. But because of the early deadline and the likelihood of it being postponed and the fact that not only is it likely to end up being this game, but it could end up being the next game too and possibly even game week 18 as well, this feels like a must a must move. Like, what's the point in keeping Son and keeping Reguilón around? We are starting to see a little bit of movement, and perhaps you know, perhaps we're swimming against the tide, Andy, slightly because we're, we're when we're recording early on a Thursday morning, and maybe these transfers will come. But maybe they'll come because they're listening to the FPL Lounge podcast, and we're swimming against people keeping them in or not transferring Son and Reguilón out on mass. Well, maybe. Obviously, we, you know, we had the power to move the needle like like that. I'm sure that's exactly what's going to happen as soon as this is published. The the tide will come of managers transferring them out. But no, uh, all jesting aside, uh, it, it is an odd one, and it's and it's very un, you know, if in multiple ways, it's very un FPL lounge to be saying this is not like us to try and swim against something uh, that isn't appearing in those top fives, and it's not like us also to suggest moving before you have all the information. But like you say. I mean, in some normal, in some game weeks, I could understand how there might not be as many at this point because, well, as we've said, me and you would always say, kind of listen to the press conferences, leave it as long as you can. There's been midweek European fixtures, so that can often mess things up and you want to wait to see about injuries and tiredness and that type of thing amongst players that have maybe played midweek before making your moves. However, as you've as you've sort of outlined, 
the deadline is Friday at 6.30. So you haven't really got a lot of time to to, to wait around here. And, and yeah, it's surprising how, I mean, I think he's only had a, at the time of recording sort of less than 70,000 transfers out, Son. Um, and he's still at like 21% owned when there's a strong chance, you know, he costs over t- over 10 million. You've got like 10% of your team's budget invested in him. And he might well not play the next two, possibly even three game weeks. So yeah, it seems a very odd one um, if you're kind of holding on to him. And if you are, but you know you're going to be getting rid of him, fine. But if you hadn't thought about it yet, I guess this is just a big warning, a big flag from us. I think you have to be probably moving on from Son and, and or Reggion if you're not already this this game week. Yeah, absolutely. And I think because yeah, we swam against um, getting rid of Antonio last week, I mean, he did end up returning, albeit slightly fortuitously. But, you know, and that was mostly down to West Ham's good fixture run coming up from game week 16. Um, currently, Antonio still has more transfers out this game week than Son does. And that is just completely baffling to us. I mean, Reguilón does have a few more, and I think he's actually the second most transferred out defender. Um, but still, he's below um, Jamie Vardy. You know, I guess maybe understandably. But um, you know, if people haven't heard about Tottenham's COVID issues, they definitely haven't heard about Leicester's. He's, he's less than Jimenez, who yeah, okay, Wolves have a, a difficult fixture this week, um, and I think in general. But um, you know, but he's he's a guaranteed starter. So Maxman guaranteed starter. Ben Rama maybe not. But even Conor Gallagher's getting way more transfers out than Serge Reguilón. Um, it all seems very, very strange to me. And, uh, and you know, as we say, Harry Kane is appearing in the most transferred out. Yes, OK, you know, he, more funds in him and there's an easy move from Kane to Ronaldo. But um, but yeah, considering Son has a considerably higher ownership, almost double or over double Kane's, um, it feels like it feels like the wrong moves are being made somewhere. Um, and, and yeah, you know, as much as we both are big fans of Son in particular, and we don't want this to, to, you know, to end up being a bit of a pylon. Um, you know, if, if, if he's at risk of missing, um, missing one, two, or possibly three games, if he's the one, one of the ones with coronavirus, then he's going to miss game week 16, whether it gets played or not. Um, he's going to miss game week 17, whether it gets played or not. And he's not going to be match fit for game week 18. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, yeah, well, yeah, okay, it's a big if. And if he isn't one of the ones with coronavirus and those games do go ahead, then he's almost guaranteed to start because Spurs aren't going to have enough players. But they're also going to have an incredibly depleted team. Um, so, you know, are they going to be that good? It's, it's, it's so hard to know. And yet, considering, the, considering what we do know, it feels a pretty straightforward move for me to be getting rid of him. And considering he's not being gotten rid of in his droves, I feel like we have to just highlight that and almost swim against the managers keeping him in at this stage. Well, the thing you've highlighted there about the chance of him playing, like I think we would say the probability is very much looking like whether he has coronavirus or not, whether he's one of those ones, you know, it looks very likely Tottenham's fixtures aren't going to play. So that should be enough of a reason to move him out. But even if you consider the risk that he might play and Tottenham might play, let's say, it it seems again like the the risk versus reward you aren't you haven't got much to be rewarded by by keeping him in because it's not like Tottenham still have an easy fixture run their next three are Brighton Leicester Liverpool which aren't necessarily the most straightforward fixtures albeit Leicester have been conceding a lot of xg recently in fact one of the worst in the leagues but still you know it isn't the most most straightforward fixture on Brighton and, and Liverpool as well in the in the next three so you don't really seem to have a lot to gain by keeping Son okay you might have other problems in your team that you might be looking to fix but it just seems like sort of low risk getting rid of him even if there is a small small risk of him starting and then when you throw in that like everything we've said that huge sort of probability that it looks like um 
Spurs' games might well be be called off. And even if they're not, if he is one of the ones with with, with COVID, he definitely won't be able to play anyway. It, 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 it's baffling. If he if he was on the verge of right of the of the top five, let's say transferred out, I think we wouldn't be feeling probably quite so like astonished by this to the point where we feel like we have to flag up. Right? Um, it, it's still a little bit before the deadline, um, and we are in the midst of kind of still European fixtures. But I think it's because he's so far away and he's had so few transfers out, given his relatively high ownership, that we that what we just can't understand. I, I guess. You know, the irony I'm saying this, I haven't transferred him out yet. So I would be in one of those numbers of people that 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 isn't adding to the numbers, I guess, of transfers out. But I, I suppose I know I am going to be doing so because because I need to, frankly. So, yeah, that's that's what we're swimming against. I guess we see so much reactionary stuff in uh, in in almost you know, as kind of, um, yeah, it, it just it, this whole segment is based on you know us swimming against early reactions. And the, the news of Spurs having COVID issues has been around for a few days now, and therefore I would have expected to see way more movement than I think we have. And I think that's that's kind of why we're why we're um, why we're going to flag it flag it here. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on to captaincy, Andy. And uh, I'm going to ask you a question that I may have asked you before: Are the four Liverpool best captaincy options the best captaincy options in the game this game week 16? Yeah, I mean, it's just like snip that out, record and insert every game week, right? In the episode, it, it's probably getting boring for, for people to hear. But so maybe you need to come up with a better way of asking it. But but no, I understand <laughs> what. <laughs> pins it back onto me. Love that. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you sent some flames my way at the start. So we've got to find every opportunity we can to chuck some back. Um, and yeah, it's... um. But it's a fair enough question, ultimately, because they keep returning. They're very consistent. They all had opportunities to return in the last game week. Again, some of them did. Um, They've got a home fixture against Aston Villa. I mean, the slight caveat might be that Villa have looked all right defensively under under Gerrard. And there will obviously be a lot of, like, narrative and focus. Does does, does hashtag narrative play into this at all? Should it come into uh, an FPL manager's thinking? No, I mean, it, it shouldn't really... Obviously, Stevie G is going to get like a big welcome and the Klopp are going to clap him and he's probably going to clap them back. Right. But ultimately, he's a competitive guy. Right. And he loves he loves Liverpool, but he's going to want to win this game. Um, so, yeah, he'll just be focusing on that, I'm sure. And um, I'd, I'd, yeah, it, it, I don't think it's going to play into it. It's not like Liverpool players are going to take it any easier on Aston Villa because they're being managed by a Liverpool legend. So um, he'll just probably get a big smiley hug off Klopp on the on the touchline, right? And and and, and that will be that. But I mean, I tell you what, I would absolutely in Kevin Keegan style, Kevin Keegan style, I would absolutely well, get love your finger to see. Out. Get your finger I, out. I will love it. I'd love it. No, um, I'd 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 love to see. Um, you know, like how Klopp and Arteta got in each other's faces the other day. I'd love to see something like that to spark off on the sideline and just see how the Liverpool fans react. Do they back Stevie G or do they back Klopp, their, their current manager? That would be oh, fascinating. Yeah, I'd oh, love oh, to oh, see them going at it. I wouldn't want to predict that because, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where they'd fall. I think they'd feel very, they'd probably just back them both. Just, you know, just, I saw I saw something on Twitter the other day of, uh, of an Ipswich fan, um, and I don't. I'm not bringing this up just because it's Ipswich, but I did see it. Um, I did. I did see it on Twitter of an Ipswich fan, uh, sort of shouting at his team that they don't. That they're not fit to wear the shirt. And when they start, when the players come over to start clapping them after the game, they then just start clapping them anyway. Yeah. And I was just like, that's uh, that is the ultimate double standard. But yeah, I could kind of see that from from Liverpool fans. They're 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 an odd bunch sometimes. Um, 
yeah, no offense for any Liverpool fans listening, but yeah, you're an odd bunch or part of an odd bunch. Um, I mean, Andy, like, I can't help but think that Villa might get a result in this game, and that I I can't can't separate why I think that from Villa playing okay and hashtag narrative, and I think I'm possibly just getting a bit into the hashtag narrative because you know Liverpool are probably at the minute on current form the best team in the Premier League. Um, they're playing a side that are improving, but still not excellent. Not likely to to blow Liverpool away um, in terms of sort of you know attacking. Oh, well, not like blow them, blow them away going forward. A little bit tighter at the back, but they haven't faced an attack as good as Salamane Jota. Um, so, yeah, it feels like... But there's just a bit of a doubt in my mind, and I don't know if I'm right to have that doubt or not. Well, I, I mean, a, a doubt that might have some legitimacy. I can understand what you're saying there. Like, it's just a feeling, isn't it? I, I wouldn't be surprised Villa doing all right in this. And, uh, yeah, like you, I've got nothing really in reality to, like, connect that to um but one thing that is maybe a, a like i say a realistic doubt that could put some concern in your mind about captaining one of these assets is um the the fact that for salah salah and mané in particular they started they seem seemingly rather unnecessary away in the in the san siro um in this midweek and and I, and other than the fact that obviously they're both off to AFCON and so Klopp doesn't really care about them post-Boxing Day, arguably, and might just run them into the ground over these next three game weeks. Um, I just don't see why you why you do that. They've rotated lots of other players. Obviously, their midfield three. Uh, Jota obviously had a, had a rest. Trent had a rest. You'd expect those two out of this Fab Four to to um, to be starting in, in the game week. But Salah Mane, maybe in one of these, because it's like you pointed out with a lot of teams, there's obviously three... Premier League fixtures in the next week, can, you know, given that Salah and Mane have start, started all of the last three that came in a week in the Premier League and then started midweek in the Champions League this week. So they've played like four fixtures in, in, in 10 days and now have another three in another 10 days. You know, w- can they do that? Will there be at least one rotation for both of them at some point over these three game weeks? I mean, it's certainly possible, isn't it? So may- maybe there's a a slight, a slight further worry as to as to as to captaining one of them. Yeah, I'm not really sure what Klopp's thinking was. I think in his pre-Champions League press conference, he kind of said that you know there will be rotation. If I don't, the medical staff will will like you know beat me up, kind of kind kind of thing. You know, laughing and joking about it, but kind of implying that obviously you know he doesn't always make the decision on who needs a rest. It's based on conditioning and data, which you know we're very pro. And then all of a sudden we see Mane and Salah start, and you would have thought that those two would have been primed for rotation. So yeah, it did seem. A little bit, a little bit confusing, and, and therefore, you know, if, if they are basing these decisions on data, which we know Liverpool do, then one would think that at some point in, in the next three, Salah or Mane are going to be up for up, you know, up for a rest. And uh, yeah, I guess you know, from an FPL point of view, um, it would have made more sense to bring it forward and do it again in the in the dead rubber against Milan um, than it did, or than it would in the Premier League, where obviously Liverpool are still very much in a title race. Um, we better move on, Andy, to, to some other options. Um, I guess if you if you're debating bringing Cristiano Ronaldo in this week, then you've got to be up capping him against Norwich, haven't you? Well, I think probably you have to be. Yeah, the, we've been saying for weeks is is there can you take it off Salah? Frankly, like he's been so consistent and keeps returning. And I think despite everything we've said about that Liverpool Villa fixture there, that still will be in people's minds. Like Salah is is trustworthy. United haven't been in the league this season, but. There's just something again. Maybe maybe we're just going up bonkers this week. But there's just something again that makes me look at Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo, one of the best players in the history of football, is playing against this Norwich team, 
um, in this game week, you just, uh, like, you know, obviously seems very, very likely to be starting. You just feel like surely, like, th- th- this is a fantastic captaincy option. And, um, yeah, it, it, this, I mean, a very, very small, I don't think this necessarily has a huge bearing, but just thinking about that fixture now, what's what's sprung to mind is that um, obviously since Dean Smith's come in, in particular, Brandon Williams has been getting more starts. Um, I'm not saying that he's going to be the difference for, for Norwich in, in the back necessarily if he doesn't play, but the fact that I guess it's against his parent club, so he probably won't be able to play in this fixture, disturbs their his usual first choice back four. So if, you know, if there's, if you had some extra confidence in Norwich uh, defensively under Dean Smith, which would be perhaps understandable. Um, maybe that's disrupted a little bit by the fact that they'll have to play a slightly different back four to the one they might have done under, under Smith in, in all their other games so far. Um, that might not affect things hugely. Ultimately, this pick isn't really based on Brandon Williams playing or not, is it? It's just that Ronaldo's an exceptional finisher and um, you, you've got to think United are going to get chances even, you know, even against an improved Norwich side. Yeah, this one feels like, I mean, maybe it's hard to know because you know, without looking back retrospectively at what the other picks have been, but this one feels like the closest pick to Salah we've had in a while. Um, there isn't Mane or Trent or Jota. Um, yeah, I, I, if I owned him, and maybe I will come the deadline, I would be tempted. I think, I think there is also an element, Andy, I don't know how you feel about this, but there's an element from me and maybe it's me just getting impatient and a bit bored uh, a bit bored but there's uh, I feel like I might need to start being bold at some point at some point this season and making that differential captaincy pick and you know given given hashtag narrative given you know maybe Salah won't return this week or maybe he'll just get an assist because you know he always always returns um, and Ronaldo scores twice I feel like Maybe Liverpool wouldn't keep a clean sheet this week. Therefore, Trent maybe isn't the best option either. We've seen in weeks gone by that um, that the Trent's outscored Salah when when he's kept a clean sheet. Um, yeah, Ronaldo Ronaldo appeals, and maybe this is the week to go 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 for that risk. But ultimately, then in the back of my head, I know that Salah's going to Afcon for probably for for a month, going to miss probably three or four game weeks, and that's going to be a really interesting point in the FPL season when I think things will start mixing up, you know, we'll start mixing things up a little bit. And depending on how Salah comes back from AFCON, um, he might not be the most nailed on captaincy option in the second half of the season. So yeah, in the other side of my mind, I'm just like, well, yeah, ride him until he goes to the African Cup of Nations and, 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 and I guess hope for the best. But yeah, this does to me feel like the best non-Salah option we've had in quite a few game weeks. Um, let's round off with, uh, with Jao Cancelo, Andy. Um, didn't start in midweek. Wolves not particularly great going forward. Is this the most nailed on clean sheet of the weekend? I mean, there's definitely a shout for it, isn't there? I think um, maybe there'd be one or two others, possibly like Arsenal at home, Southampton, because Southampton haven't been particularly creative. If if Bamford can't play for Leeds, maybe Chelsea at home against Leeds would feel like a fairly nailed on clean sheet. But no, I mean, ultimately, no team has created less than Wolves in the last six game weeks in the league, including like Leeds, Newcastle, some of those others. So... Um, yeah, that like Man City at home against the team that have been creating the le- less than anyone else, but <laughs> arguably, yeah, that is that is the most nailed on clean sheet. And as as we always say with Cancelo, when we do put him up as a captaincy option here, if your baseline is very likely for one return in a clean sheet, and then obviously he's a very attacking fullback, so you've got chance of of, of another return there as well. Um, 
yeah, uh, I think he does look a particular... We, we've had him on there a, a few game weeks now. Um, and, and obviously because of the Salah thing and, and other Liverpool options, he, he, he hasn't probably been quite as high in our thinking. But again, I just think this game week, given that he didn't play midweek, so looks very, very likely to be starting, which is all, one of the always one of the other concerns, right? Um, yeah, so it seems very, very probable he'll start this game. And the fact that, you know, there's at least one return seemingly on the plate and then who knows, maybe even more. It's tempting, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. And you mentioned Chelsea Leeds there as well. I mean, Leeds are injury depleted again. I think Calvin Phillips now is now out, obviously key player for them. I think Patrick Bamford's had another setback despite scoring the 95th minute winner. I mean, if it, imagine if that was, I haven't read anything about it, but he did uh, celebrate quite exuberantly. So you know, if it was his celebration that's ended up causing the setback, then um, I don't know what you're doing, Paddy, what you're doing. But yeah, I think I've had a few more injuries. You know, ultimately I've been unlucky with injuries all year, but you know, didn't invest in their squad in the summer. So, you know, whose fault is that? Um, I guess with Chelsea at home as well, it's always hard to pick who to put the armband on. But ultimately, you know, we think that they are probably quite a good option for a clean sheet. Therefore, their fullbacks are still going to be quite appealing. But Lukaku's back as well. Mason Mount has obviously got two double-digit returns in two weeks. Um, it, I guess it, if you could, if you can know who's going to play, um, there's no reason why not to put the armband on the Chelsea player this week. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason why, why not might be but that. that... There are there are seemingly quite a few decent other options that we've discussed there that might be a little bit more nailed on. But if you can work out who's going to play, I think all those ones you mentioned are arguably good options. I'd be a bit concerned about Reese James um, because he started in midweek. Other than the fact that as did also as Pilaqueta though, so that that his biggest threat to his kind of right wing back position also started midweek. So therefore, you know what they've they. They could, they could both or neither play ultimately at, at right wing back in, um, in the Premier League. So, um, you know, uh, there might still there might still be rotation concern, but it seems likely that, that James would would play. And so, in that case, that makes him, yeah, a fairly good a fairly good um, captaincy option. I mount the same Lukaku, the same. If we knew they started against that that sort of Leeds defence at home, yeah, great. I think I think they could well bang again both of them this week. Although, you know, these are all ifs and buts. And with other players that we've mentioned here, Cancelo, Ronaldo, for example, I would say both much more nailed on to definitely start and have like attractive fixtures themselves as well. So that's probably the thing that that I think in other game weeks, at the start of this season, we probably thought that Chelsea would have a fairly consistent 11 by this point. And so, you know, in other game weeks, I think that if we knew what that 11 was, there'd be a fair few Chelsea options we'd be we'd be saying here that are, are against that Leeds defence are really high in our thinking. But um, yeah, as I, as I mentioned, the fact that that isn't the case means probably you're looking elsewhere. Yeah, I think I think especially you know, for Mount and Lukaku, <clears throat> I guess it's been as down to injuries uh, as much as anything, but which is kind of you know, why maybe there's been a bit of a rotation question mark over them. But but yeah, it's always hard to, to pick between Chelsea's uh, defenders. So so yeah, a bit of a difficult one. Anyway, let's uh, let's leave it there, Andy, and let's uh, let's finish as we always do with who the heck is stat. Uh, for those that don't know, who the heck is stat is a little game Andy and I like to play where each week we take it in turns to pick a player from the FPL universe who has to be owned by at least five percent of managers, and the other person has to guess. Who it is? We get five clues to guess who it is. If we get it after the first clue, we get five points. After the sec- second clue, we get four points, and so on and so forth. Every time we hear a clue, and um, we get the opportunity to stick or twist with our previous guess, which means you don't 
get the answer until the end, which allows you to play along at home. And every time we hear a clue, we have two minutes to take a guess. And he got three points last week. He now has a 14-8 lead. So even if I got a big five-pointer here, um, there's absolutely no way. Well, I'd, I'd simply, it's mathematically impossible, Andy. Quick maths. You don't need a math degree to, t- to teach you this. It would be mathematically impossible for me to even draw level. So ultimately, I need a five-pointer. Um, but I'm not going to get one because every time it's my turn on this, we're always recording at a ridiculous time of the day, um, which I do think is a conspiracy now. I'm just going to put that on tape. Um, so, so yeah, but um, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess unless you've got any res- any retort to that, I'll allow you to take it away. Well, other than the fact that obviously we, uh, you know, I think it was just the last preview. You, you trying to drum up some give sympathy there, get your bloody violin out. I mean, it was very much just the last preview show, wasn't it? When we did who the heck is that, and we were recording at some obscene hour in the evening. Um, like we, and I was I was answering your who the heck is stat clues at like midnight or something wasn't I and I managed to smash out the three points so I mean cry me a river and just be better Chris Hopkins frankly yeah I mean it's not it's not been a great season for me but yeah you know there'll be a Stewart's inquiry at the end of the year again when I when I ultimately lose um but yeah other than that Andy uh, I'll let you take it away okay yeah so clue number one then it is this player's tenth season in FPL but they're not on for their highest ever score oh. A long one, a long one. Okay, not on for the high school score, 10th season. Uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind was was Jamie Vardy, I guess, got that longevity. Um, that's, as Andy Case taught me to do, let's go down the fixtures. Brentford, Watford, probably not going to be any of them. City Wolves, I guess it could be a City player. Someone like Kyle Walker's probably been around a long time. I mean, I wonder if De Bruyne has been around that long. Not on for his highest ever score. Kind of doubt he's got 5% ownership, though. To be honest, um, Wolves, I think it's unlikely. Arsenal, Southampton, I guess Arsenal could have someone. I'm trying to think who, though. A lot of young players, a lot of signings. So maybe not. Uh, Chelsea, Leeds. No one's jumping out at me from, naturally from Leeds. Probably not. Chelsea, um, I guess there could be someone there. Chilwell, probably not enough years. Um, could Lukaku could have done 10 years maybe cumulatively uh, let's see if I can think of anyone else quickly otherwise it might be a Vardy um, oh Villa yeah I wonder if it's, this is a, a trick and it's, it's Emmy Martinez because we we had him doing like zero points seasons for Arsenal didn't we but I think it was one of the weird ones that come up and who the heck is that last year Um I've got a bit of time, so let's keep going. 30 seconds, though. Norwich, Norwich probably not. Man United. Uh, no one rings a bell. Maguire, maybe done 10 years, possibly. Maybe, probably not. Spurs could be Kane. Not on for his highest to ever finish. Um, I will plump, given the time, I think, for Jamie Vardy. But that's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, let's see. Let's need some more clues. Okay, but well, could, that is, but, that yeah, is two minutes. That's fine. Yeah, it's Vardy. It's a, I think it's a reasonable five point get five point shout for that. So fine. okay. Yeah. Clue number two. At the start of the season, this player was the highest owned player at their club. However, they've now had more net transfers out than anyone else in the game. More net transfers out than anyone else in the game. Okay. Um, that would make me think it isn't him. Um, 
although he could well have been so the highest owned player at his club at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder if that does bring me back to De Bruyne, you know. I just can't see him being 5% owned. Um, more more transfers out than anyone else in the game. Net transfers out. That's not actual transfers out, is it? Yeah, net transfers Net out, transfers yeah. out. Anyone else in the game? Mm. That's hard. That is hard. That is. Um, oh, okay. Hmm. Could it be the Bruyne? Would he have been? Wasn't it? I think he was injured at the start of the season, wasn't he? Uh, yes. I think he might have been. So. so he probably wasn't their most owned at the start of the year. That would have been like Grealish, I reckon. Um, that does bring me back to Lukaku, possibly. Now, he wouldn't have been Chelsea's most owned, surely, at the start of the season. And that transfers out. No. Um, I just can't see it being Jamie Vardy. Maybe it, maybe it would be. Thirty seconds. Mm, tough, tough. Joe, you know I might just. Yeah, I don't know. I've got no reason. No one's jumping out, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick. I think I'm gonna stick with, with Vardy. I don't think it's him, but yeah, for the purposes of getting a new clue, that's just. No point sacrificing what could wait if it is him, is there? So yeah, let's, okay. let's, let's stay let's stay there. Use your full two minutes again. We're sticking with Jamie Vardy. Clue number three. Despite appearing in nine previous seasons, this player has only broken a hundred points twice before. Okay, that doesn't feel like him at all. Only broken a hundred points twice before. Most net transfers out. Oh God, do you know what? Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it is Emmy Martinez. Has he done two seasons? Very. He's got over 100. No, he would have done it last year. Um, what about that half a season for Arsenal? Would he made 200, 100 then? That's difficult to know, isn't it? I don't think he would have done. Hmm. Okay. Now we are struggling. Now we are really struggling. Because um, surely, surely Vardy's made made 101. Yeah, he must have done. He's made 201, I think. So, okay. Um, yeah, we are struggling. We're on the struggle bus here, Mr. Case. Well, um, go, through, go through the other clues. 10 seasons in FPL, not on for their highest ever score. So that tells you something about how they're doing this season. Um yeah, you know, badly. Was high owned at the start of the season, but has had a lot of transfers out since then. Yeah, but who was high owned at the start of the season? That's 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 that doesn't. Well, I mean, it should help, but it doesn't. Mm. Um, injuries. Like maybe I should be thinking about injuries. Who's had some injuries this year? But been around for ten seasons. Kane. You have thirty Kane. seconds left. He's got. He hasn't done a hundred points more. Has he? Um, oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah, struggling. I mean, you haven't got much time, but go through the clubs maybe and think who might have been highest owned at the start of the season. Yeah, that could be a way to go, but a bit late now. Um, You've got 10 seconds. Uh, let's. I'm just going to have to stick, I think, even though it's definitely not him. But yeah, I'll just stick, just okay. in case. 
there's some something weird in the matrix right clue four then yeah despite being in still being in the top 10 owned for their position this player has no goals just one assist two clean sheets and only 26 points so far this season uh but still the top 10 owned top 10 percent owned in their position top 10 owned yeah for their position okay um Right. I'm still thinking of players with injuries. Why am I thinking of players with injuries? Well, that have just been bad. Why am I coming back to Kane? Why am I coming back to Kane? He must have had more than... He definitely had more than two 100-point finishes, though. Um, oh, God. I can't think of anyone this could be. I really can't. I mean, the thing, the things you're saying are right. Oh, okay. Hold on. Hold on. What about... Right, let's run through these again. He... 10 years, yeah. He's had... Highest owned at the start of the year. Two 100-point seasons, but not on... Hasn't had a good year this year. Yeah. No goals, one assist, two clean sheets, and only 26 points so far this season. Yeah, okay. So... And it's got to be a relatively well-established club. So looking at United, and I'm thinking automatically, I'd think that that, that Ronaldo would be the highest owned, but he wasn't there at the start of the year. Bruno is then the next obvious one, but I feel like it could possibly have been Luke Shaw. And I think these other clues would then check out with him. You've got 30 seconds. So no goals, fine. One assist, possibly. Two clean sheets. Surely you might have more than that. But then you go on about how bad the defence is every week. So if I don't know that by now, highest own would make sense. Ten seconds. Had not had some great years. Yeah, I'm switching to sure. I'm sure. Final answer. <laughs> okay. And clue number five. His lack of points may also be to do with the fact that he's been injured for the past three game weeks. Yeah, I think he has because you've been playing tellers. I feel like I had a eureka moment, but yeah, if I were just just going down the going down those teams, you just think, oh, it would have been Bruno. But Shaw had such a good year last year, good Euros, which always helps in terms of ownership on the first day of the season, and obviously wasn't that expensive. Two hundred point seasons, i.e., last year, and maybe a good year at Southampton would check out, come through at eighteen in the Prem. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to stick. Okay, he's sticking with Luke Shaw, and that earns him two points. Yeah, okay. It was Luke Shaw. Yeah, I mean, on I, I almost went with, but I couldn't remember for definite, and I couldn't find a way to find out. But I almost went with on that clue, that I because I have a vague memory of him being the highest-owned player in the game at the start of the season, but... I yeah, couldn't he might work that been. out. So he, I, he was the highest owned player at Man United, though, at the start of the season. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I think he was, like I say, I think he was the highest owned actually in the entire game. I have a vague memory of us talking about that, but I wasn't sure, so, so I didn't so I didn't put it in. But yeah, he was, everyone was talking about because he was the, one of the cheaper Man United defenders, I think, wasn't he? But And obviously he'd got loads of assists in the Euros and towards the end of last season, United had just bought Varane. So we were thinking, hoping naively for, for more clean sheet potential. 
United had a decent run at the start of the season as well. I think that played into it. So, yeah, he was very high owned. But um, I've also taken a little bit of a punt on one of these clues. So maybe it might not be right. Oh, but, it is. Uh, the more the most net transfers out. I mean, only one player had more gross transfers out, and that was Antonio, and he'd had more transfers in than he'd had transfers out. Right. So okay. I think so you it's have to, highly you have to do a bit of maths, but yeah. Oh, yeah. And I haven't checked every player in the game, but I think it's highly, highly likely that that must be true because right. uh, he's had significant, like some almost four million transfers out, Luke Shaw, with barely any in. So yeah. I was thinking how how you how you come to that clue because obviously like when I'm setting my my clues for you obviously like you're looking through the stats and what's available to you and yeah net I always remember like transfers out and in are there but not net so I was like oh I wonder how he's come up with that but yeah yeah I've, I've had to take a little bit of a punt and looking at a lot of the players that had had a few of the top players that had, had transfers out right um, so yeah like 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 I said, it was Antonio that had four point something million transfers out but he's had five point something million transfers in yeah so. Well. Yeah, I feel like you're you're safe there. Okay, well, great stuff. I mean, yeah, nice to get nice, to, nice to not do a big fat zero like I've done recently. So, uh, so yeah, that feels nice. A little bit of confidence as I head off to my to my work Christmas party, Andy. But ultimately, if our if our listeners want to, well, if they want to know how my Christmas party goes, but you know, more like more than that, if, you know, if they if they want any any advice from us or um, yeah, any more insight into into how to navigate. Uh, I guess this this renewed period of, of of COVID hitting the Premier League and, and what to do about Tottenham. Uh, how can our listeners get in touch? They can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And yeah, you know, you've got your you're logged in there, Chris, as well. Maybe some cheeky instas from your from your work Christmas do. Who knows? I, I genuinely don't don't know how to work it, to be honest. Don't know how to work Instagram. So um yeah, I mean, I think that. listeners will have worked out by this point that we are significantly more proficient on on Twitter and use it a lot more. But yeah, I mean, maybe that's something you could try and do. I'm sure there must be some some like young people where you work, some Gen Zs who can help you out, right? With with uploading a, a, a I don't know what you what are they even called like a, a picture on Instagram. I, I uh, think they're called pictures, mate. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, or whether they haven't like you say a tweet for Twitter, right? Oh God, right. I see. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's really good though. Definitely yeah. uh, have a look at it, listeners. Um, yeah, yeah. It's really, yeah, really coming on. Um, where's that social media manager that you, that you live live with? <laughs> what's, well, what's she up yeah. to? I know we have to be fair. She would do stuff if we gave her more like instruction, but we don't. We're not even good enough to do that, really. But anyway, I think at some, least... sometimes when you're so like naive to the platform, it's hard to even give instructions, isn't it? Yeah. Like, well, I think look, it would be a bit like me coaching Liverpool. Well, yeah, quite. I don't think you're you're Jurgen Klopp. You're not. You've not come from the Ralph Rangnick school of German coaching, have you? So people um, have said I look look a bit like him when I wear my glasses. What Klopp? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That does make sense. That's as far as it goes, though. I've got a similar temper. Well, look. Anyway, right. The point is, listeners, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore Lounge, and hopefully, even if you can't work Insta, you might get a picture up on Twitter, right? You can do. You know how to do that, right? Um. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we'll have. Yeah. I mean, you've I'm got sure. you've got a very snazzy Christmas jumper. I'm sure the listeners would love to see it. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. Cheers. Yeah. Um. Maybe next year, maybe at some point, we'll have FPL Lounge Christmas jumpers and that, but that'd be wonderful. Um. Yeah. Also, do remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. It really is helpful for Andy and I. Um, this is a obviously a normal game week, so no hybrid. Um, yeah, although I guess actually, Andy, the review show will end up being a hybrid because I think we end up previewing game week 17 as well. So, yeah, the next time you hear from us will be a bit of a hybrid. Hopefully we'll kind of get that in the books as early as possible. Um, 
as early as possible, hopefully on Sunday. Um, so there's plenty of time to listen to it before the game week 17 deadline. But Andy, until then. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. <laughs>